You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep that in, huh? Why not? <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the... Well, you already heard that. And you already heard our voices, so you know what's going on. It's me and Josiah. <laughs> on, if I'm doing the math correctly, mm. and if I... I'm doing the math correctly. (laughs) (laughs) If we collectively, because me, you, and Zach figured this out. It takes three people. (laughs) Not counting the trailer. Right, right. This is the 52nd episode. Yeah. Which means we've been at this for one year. One year. Yeah. It's been wonderful. It has been. I was going to look for a different adjective, but really, it's just been wonderful. It has been. It has been one of my favorite things in any given week. It's been fun yeah. to do. It's been fun to see uh, you know, people's reaction to it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm super grateful that we get to do it. Yeah. Learned a lot. Yeah. Gotten to talk to some cool people. It's going to be another great year. We already got some like great Ooh, we do. interviews lined up for the coming months. That is super exciting. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. So we're excited for another year. And somewhere in there, we're going to have our 100th episode. Oh, boy. Going to need to Only gets pull out all the here. stops for that. So. Yeah. But today... For this 52nd episode, we're back in the creative commentary, and we're heading back. Mm. We are taking it back to the book of Judges. Yes, we are. Finished up, because we did Joshua. We're all the way up through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Mm. Guess what's next? Judges. (laughs) Judges is what is next, as a matter of fact. (laughs) So that's what we're going to be into here today. And uh, the book of Judges is... A disturbing and horrifying expose of what can happen when God's people lose sight of God's character. Isn't that fun? It really, that's, that's, it sums it up. And if you've read the book of Judges, you probably didn't even need me to tell you that. True. Uh, its reputation precedes it. Yeah. It is disturbing, actually, in quite a few portions. Yeah. Just downright disturbing. So, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about Good today. Good start. I like Good it. Good start. So, almost all the stories in Judges follow the same tragic cycle. Here's what happens. The people sin by abandoning God and worshiping idols. They find themselves enslaved and oppressed by their pagan neighbors. They realize their error. Oh. And they repent and cry out for deliverance. Wow. And then God raises up a judge. <laughs> Not a courtroom judge. No, no. More like a tribal political warrior leader, judge. Oh, my word. And he empowers this judge to rescue the Israelites and restore them to their former station. I'm going to be honest, that idea, especially being called a judge, it just feels like mythologically scary to me. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, these were the years of the judges. Like that. It's it's like Ragnarok, you know? It is. Or to throw it back to the Sylvester Stallone 80s classic, (laughs) Judge Dredd. (laughs) D-R-D-D. Oh, good. I love this. He's judge, jury, and executioner. And it's like, that's what these guys are, man, basically. Yeah. I'm not that far off of that. That's that's the film we should have covered. (laughs) Apparently apparently so. (laughs) Uh, So that's the cycle that happens in the book, a depressing amount of times. It's one of those stories where by the end of the book, you get to it and you're like, how in the world (laughs) did they continue in this cycle of madness? Like, at what point? Does the cycle yeah. stop? Like, you you got to realize at some point that this is what happens, and someone's got to be a chain breaker, so to speak. But no. Oh, good word. 
Nope, it just keeps going. Yeah, it it does. just <laughs> keeps happening. Yeah. So the whole thematic structure of the book is best understood through this phrase that we find towards the end. It mm-hmm. only shows up, I think, in chapter 17 and 21. And that phrase is this. <laughs> in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Oh, boy. So you remember at the conclusion of Joshua he doesn't really appoint a successor. Yeah, yeah, is, we, we kind of tease that a bit. Yeah, a little bit problematic. He does call the Israelites to remember God's covenant. Oh, that's nice. To keep God's commands. Good sentiments, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Indeed. <laughs> but after a generation or two, things begin mm. to spiral out of control because there is no leader that's really reminding them exactly. of what's happened in their past and their history. And so finally it gets to the point where everyone just starts doing what is right in their own eyes and they sort of become a law unto themselves. Oh boy. Yeah. Now, that is something we see very clearly played out in the film Blue Ruin. Mm. The idea, the very thought of doing what's right in your own eyes, especially in terms of the law, it gets murky. Right, yeah. Because theoretically, uh, there's room for people to make the right decisions. Yes. Just the, the gut decision to, like, not take someone's life. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. People, we make mistakes, oh, and yeah. our tempers get the better of us. And I mean, especially where the law is concerned, it gets very dangerous. Dangerous yes. territory. And, and how that plays out is something, well, it's something we will talk about shortly. Oh, yes. Giving us the little... Little nod there, I see. Those are good points. And unfortunately, on that note, this book, the book of Judges, keeps careening toward destruction and tragedy, much like a Mack truck whose brakes have gone out while it's traveling down a steep (laughs) mountain highway. It's just a very specific image. <laughs> I was very excited for you to, to deliver this very specific image. I was very married to it. <laughs> so that's what happens. It's total chaos and catastrophe. Yeah. And not only do the people keep going back to their idol worship after they've been delivered, but also each of the successive judges goes from bad to worse. So there's a theme. Yes. Oh, like, how Not nice. only do the people just keep spiraling into utter madness, but the judges progressively, they start, they're pretty good. Oh, okay. And then by the end of the book of Judges, it's a crapshoot. It is horrible. Oh, my goodness. For instance, you have Ehud and Deborah are okay. two of the first set of judges. Charming and they're names. very good judges. They rescue the people. There's nothing amiss about them. That's a they're, good start. They're morally upright to people. What is happening? Yeah, it's crazy. But then after that first set, along comes a guy named Gideon. Good, strong name. Yeah, good, strong name. Love the name. Yeah. He starts out well yeah. uh, because, you know, he's he's kind of known as like the clan weakling, so to speak. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. The mm-hmm. one and only Gideon. Yes, that one. Oh, boy. And, you know, the angel says, fear not, almighty man of valor. And they have this discussion. And then there's the fleece. And then he exactly. you know, drives out this giant army with 300 men and smashing some pots and some, you know, have some torches. Like, he starts out great. Yeah, that's a good start. Doing good judge stuff. But then, (laughs) classically, by the end of his reign, he ends up making, you guessed it, an idol from the spoils of his warfare. Oh, my goodness. Just like Aaron did in Exodus. He's like, give me your gold. And he forms this thing that ends up becoming an idol. Yeah, it's like, I can just picture it. You know what I mean? Like, he's done really well for himself. Many accolades. Yes. Much clout. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know what we should do with that that gold? How about a calf? (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just what about... A calf. (laughs) Hear me out. They did it before. There's precedent. (laughs) Uh, 
and especially because you know Gideon up to that point was like the clan weakling, and suddenly now he's oh, you the, give him power, yeah, the rescuer of a oh, nation. Gosh. It's it's just trouble. So that happens with Gideon, and then he has some family drama that we just don't even have time to get into. Yeah, let's. It's not, not. good. And then there's Jephthah and Samson, Jephthah. and whoa, buddy, they are hot messes. Jephthah ends up sacrificing his daughter whoa. on a rash vow. Whoa, wait, yeah. a, that is we okay. Yeah. That is how disconnected not only the people of God have become from the character of God, but how even disconnected the judges have become. It becomes clear that God is using these very flawed and sinful people to rescue the nation. Right. But they aren't paying any attention to his law either. Yeah. Because God specifically, expressly, you would guess, prohibits, you guessed it, child <laughs> sacrifice. He's oh, like, gosh. do not ever do that, ever. That is an uh, abomination to me. And guess what Jephthah does? Oh, Sacrifices his daughter. Samson. If you know that story, you do. I don't even need to tell you all the details. I mean, he's off, you know, being promiscuous. He's picking fights that he has no business picking. He's violating his Nazarite vow. Mm. He's that guy at the bar that just cannot help but pick a fight <laughs> with a doofus that's like just picking through the peanuts that are provided, complimentary peanuts. Oh, yes, mm. exactly. And then I don't, I'm not going to get into it just because it would take way too long to explain <laughs> it. And it's way horrifying but the book ends with one of if not you know aside from like the crucifixion of the son of god himself Mm. ends with probably the most horrifying and disturbing story that is recorded in our scriptures and all i will tell you is it has to do with a levite if i'm remembering correctly and a concubine and chopping her up into pieces is this like the intro to a bad joke that is what you would think which is what the entire nation has basically become (laughs) And then the last sentence of the book, this is where the book ends, like Ah. with a period, that phrase, in those days Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Is this written by the Cohen brothers? That's what I'm saying, man. Golly. Wow. Holy mackerel. And the thing is that that's all intentional. Yeah. The narrator wants you to be disturbed. He wants you to be perplexed and he wants you to feel a little nauseated by everything that has happened. He wants you to look full in the face of a people who have forgotten how to love and worship a good God. And he wants you to be pierced by those stories. Hmm. He wants you to take it in what it looks like when a people exchange the glory of the living God for a lie, to borrow language from the Apostle Paul. And hopefully... Through doing so, we come to realize the folly of such a life, and we don't repeat those same tragic cycles of self-destruction. Ideally. Yes, ideally, which, as you look across the span of human history... There are a few black marks. Yes, just a few. Just a couple. Genocide. (laughs) We've not done great as a human race. (laughs) Ups and downs. Look, ups and downs. Yeah, ups and downs. So that's where it ends, but even though the book is bleak and dark and it ends in such a disappointing and depressing way, it's not entirely without hope. Because when the narrator says that Israel had no king, what he's doing is subtly queuing us up for the arrival of a king. He's sparking up hope that perhaps God will establish another leader like Moses or Joshua because God actually made provisions for the king in the law. And this book leads into the books of Ruth and 1 Samuel, Respectively, which are the story of how King David came to be king. Okay. And of course, so it's David. Very, it's very subtle foreshadowing. It's very, very subtle. Mm. Uh, as if only the Lord himself could have <laughs> as if. intended that. Sounds about just like it is. Yes. <laughs> actually, as a complete aside, there is some debate. Some people actually think Samuel may have written Judges, may have taken uh, the history and written it, which see, in that case, I was, that I was curious. Sense. Yeah. It's a very weird thing to be curious about, but you know. Yeah. So. 
in those books, we actually see that hope come to fruition, of course, through well, David. Nice. And I mean, of course, David has his own black marks of sin and self-destruction, but he yeah. overall brings the nation to a place where the law is restored and love of God and worship of God is made central to the nation's life again. Uh, that's a pick-me-up. Yeah. But Judges doesn't actually give you the pick-me-up. No. No, it does not. It definitely does not. <laughs> so don't look for it. No. Similarly... <laughs> Okay, okay, no, it's not that dark. But like we talked about taking uh, the idea of justice into your own hands, that is the primary catalyst that runs through the plot of Blue Ruin. Just like it's pretty much all there is to the judges, it is pretty much all there is to the motivations running through Blue Ruin. Now, mm-hmm. to do whatever seems right in your own eyes, where the law is concerned, I mean, that's why we have the law. Yes. <laughs> and, and I think it's actually a little bit difficult to imagine that in a modern context because we're not talking about a nation where that's the norm. Yeah. Our norm is bound by law. Laws, it is. Usually for our betterment. Yes. But for us to take it into our own hands, that is outside the norm and usually with terrible consequence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> let me set the stage to perhaps give you some context as to where and why and how this could play out. You have a nameless man living outside of a, a beached car, scrounging for his daily necessities and mm-hmm. even breaking into the occasional house just to take a bath. Of course. The usual. <laughs> yes. Um, I, he's, he is a bit off. He says nothing. I mean, he mm-hmm. is near silent for actually the majority of the movie. Man, a very few words. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he's pensive and thoughtful. He's yeah. haunted. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's troubled. He's traumatized. He's like the classic off-putting urban hermit of a beachside town. You know the type. That is a very specific image, yes. I like the specific (laughs) examples, you know, Mack trucks and urban hermits. (laughs) But I think it would be fair to say that in many ways, he himself is in as much disrepair as his disassembled car house. That is. mm, Do you like that car house? Yes, I did. I'm going to use the term more than once. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, so it's not long before we understand why he's in the particular situation that he's voluntarily placed himself in because he receives the news from a very kind and motherly police officer, very, Mm -hmm. very likable, that the man responsible for murdering his parents is getting out of prison. The context and the details that we can kind of pick up, you could draw your own conclusion and assume that perhaps some hands were greased Ah. to make this happen. Oh, oh, it's a plea deal. Oh, but the family is kind of dangerous and influential and all of these things. You can draw your own conclusions. It's not specific or indicting on the matter. Yeah. But they're bad news. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you do when the system's failed you and you're having difficulty coping with this traumatic new reality? Some might say counseling, perhaps some counseling. May I submit (laughs) counseling? (laughs) Just a suggestion. That's a good idea. No, 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 not in this story, uh, because then our podcast would be over. (laughs) And we'd be signing off right now. Uh, What about instead a frantic, unplanned, reckless quest for vengeance? Whoa. Sounds like a movie. Wow! But uh, so here's the thing, though, right? I almost said this at the start, but I forgot, you know, because I'm so wont to do. This is not the kind of, like, action movie hero situation. Mm. I think when we do consider people taking the law in their own hands, we think of Rambo. Oh, yeah. Or The Punisher. Or Liam Neeson rescuing his family as many times as they can make a movie out of it. (laughs) I do love Liam Neeson, though. But, I mean, like, we kind of see these people acting outside the bounds of the law for these heroic purposes. Like, oh, that's what I would do to save my dad. It's really not because you're not capable. (laughs) No indictment. I'm not not either. You don't have that special set of skills. Yeah, I don't have a special set. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 
But that's not the character we're given in this film. It's not yeah. It's not a traumatized person turned hero. Yeah. He's still damaged. He yeah. has the sad puppy eyes. <laughs> I can't overstate that. It's very sad, pitiful. Sad puppy eyes. Yeah, I mean, really, you just really want to like him, and you want to pat him on the back and say, it's okay. <laughs> but it's not okay to kill someone. <laughs> like, that doesn't... Sad puppy eyes do not like give you enough like moral <laughs> credits to spend on homicide. That's not how it works because that is what his mind is set on. Yeah, is now this person who took my parents from me probably at a youngish age. The law has failed him. Yeah, so he feels that it is his right or his duty or his very fragile and scared responsibility to take it into his own hands. Yeah, and guess what? It's not great for anyone. No, and when this happens, I mean, it's like these tiny bursts of violence that they're not like Hollywooded or glamorized, which I'm actually grateful for, given the theme of the movie. It's ugly and cumbersome and novel and just very unpleasant. Much like judges. Much like (laughs) judges. Just a cycle of awful. Uh, But in the struggle, because inevitably this happens, it's not long in the film where he carries out his poorly trained and equipped justice, that he loses his one and only car key. Like to his house car, if you remember remember the term. What a ridiculous (laughs) How? But this is so, that's so real life. Like that is is what would happen. It is real life. You would, I mean, you know. Just, it's unfortunate. Not that I've contemplated this. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> that is the kind of thing that would happen to an amateur in this situation. Yeah. I'm going to save details for the experience of the people. Yes. Here's where it gets very, very interesting. Because our likable, sad, puppy-eyed killer, that's yeah. a weird sentence. <laughs> like I said, he doesn't have a special set of skills. He's, he's not equipped, and he doesn't really know what to expect. Yeah. So he finds himself rather surprised when the murder doesn't make the news. Like the very, he doesn't have a great concept of time. He's been living out of a car. <laughs> but he's surprised to not see it on the news the very next day. Like, yeah. oh, this, this grisly murder of retribution. Yes. However, that surprise very quickly turns to dread when he understands why. Mm. Can you guess? I'm guessing this man was connected. Oh, he was connected. Like, the whole family. The whole family is just scary. I mean, (laughs) the survivors. That's weird to call them survivors because they're not really good people. But the surviving family, they are the type to have suspicious ties and perhaps even more suspicious money. Consider a moonshine kingpin family. Again, a very specific like, image that I can I get in my head right away. Yeah. You don't mess with them. You know what I mean? No. They're very much like a rural mafia, mm. which should give you very relatable pictures because we live in a beautiful, wonderful, mafia-less rural place. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to emphasize mafia-less. <laughs> we do not—I hope—actually, if you're out there, no, no shame. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying our podcast. <laughs> Not about you. But as, as you would assume, it means that they also intend to do what is right in their own eyes. And wow. Oh, boy. As we suggested, it is all about retribution. In fact, they're so cavalier about it. One encounter with a, with a surviving family member describes it as uh, just keeping things in-house. Wow. They're just keeping things <laughs> in It's murder. <laughs> they're just keeping a murder feud in the house. This is like modern Hatfields and McCoys, <laughs> except sad. <laughs> like, 
it becomes this backwards war. And something you described at the very top of the episode, a tragic cycle, yeah. is what it devolves into. And I don't want to actually spoil anything too sensitive because you may find that not everything is as it appears. But how true to life is that? Yeah. Especially where, where justice is concerned. There is a reason that we have the laws that we do. Yes. But when not just one person, but both sides decide to take it in their own hands, oh man, it is a descent into yeah. madness. You don't even need whole nations to do it. You don't you just... need whole nations. You don't need whole nations to fall into this absolute anarchy to have tragedy. No. Just one person deciding, I'm going to kill them. Yeah. Oh boy. That's yeah. all it takes. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> But it's quite a ride. I, I say that it's a very well produced, beautiful film, like just mm-hmm. visually beautifully shot. Yeah. To tell this very kind of dark and troubling story, but yeah. it's also in many ways it's kind of a warning sign. In many ways, like kind of how judges uh, reading it so many centuries later is kind of a, a unique warning sign. Very true. It's quite a ride. Do you have any final thoughts, comments? Is it, okay, so this is a bit off topic. No, go for it. I mean, it's on topic, but it's a little bit disjointed from the the linear theme that we're describing. Yes. But I think it's actually a little bit poignant mm-hmm. because it, this doesn't completely take place inside of a vacuum. I mean, it is the modern day in which it's set. Yeah. And we get this kind of quiet, uh, private little moment in the film where it's just after he's committed the murder, unfortunately. But we get a glimpse of what could have been Mm. if he had chosen to not go through with it because he meets with his estranged sister. And she already has heard the news of the release, not the subsequent murder that has been kept under wraps. Oh, yes. She's heard that this person has been released and, you know, just through traditional legal means she's been informed and and there's like a restraining order, you know, for her benefit. And it, yeah, of course it's sad. You know, there are certainly real people right now who are in similar circumstances, who have lost someone by the hands of another, and that person, for whatever circumstance, for whatever reasons, they get out. It's a troubling thing to have to cope with because Mm. it feels like justice, you've been robbed of it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you take things in your own hands. And clearly, even though she's hurt, they're having this kind of quiet discussion in an awkward little diner. It's quiet, and it's just so not violent. (laughs) You know, (laughs) of how people can cope and yeah. can deal with this without going to such violent extremes. Yeah. Even in cases, that, of course, that go beyond loss and murder. Yeah. It's not taking it in your own hands, and especially this way is just not the answer. Yeah. Even when you're reading, say, Deuteronomy or Exodus, any of those books before Judges, Joshua even, yeah, you have the Joshua. same thing. You have this picture of this is what life is going to be like. Here's yes. what it could be if we keep on the right path. But then you see that things have been done and they cannot be undone now. Exactly. And this is what life looks like in those moments. And thankfully for the Christian, there's forgiveness and there's cleansing of sin. But even then, even then, there are still there are consequences. Consequences uh, within fallout. and without the law, there are consequences. Yeah, just natural fallout of yes. your actions, as well as what our law does have to say about life. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's good stuff. It is. It good really content. is good. It's, I've probably watched this movie about seven or eight times. It's a good movie. It is then. a good one. 10 out of 10 recommend even. Great director. Great yeah. director. Well done. Well done. Mm. Well, that concludes this episode then. Send those questions in if you have them. Mm to podcast at horizonchurch.net or hit us up on social media, Instagram, Facebook, etc. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Mm